1: It's Friday, February the 24th, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast wrap of the week from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linnan. With me today are Pat Leahy and Harry McGee from our political staff. Hello to you both. Hi, Hugh. Morning, Hugh. Uh, we should start with our own opinion poll, Pat. We've been running the results for the last couple of days. Um, what is the state of the parties, first of all?
2: Yeah, this is our first, uh, our first poll of the year. Actually shows a remarkably stable political landscape, given, you know, the extent of economic dislocation caused by the cost-of-living crisis, the various other winds that are buffeting the government, and of course the international situation, which has given us a refugee crisis. The political landscape is remarkably stable, with one partial exception, I suppose, and that is we see Fianna Fáil support slipping to 18% from 21% last October. And, you know, as ever, the poll doesn't Tell us why that happened, but we can certainly note that it, it comes since Mihol Martin's departure from the Taoiseach's office. And and the return of Bertie Ahern to the party. The return of Bertie Ahern, and indeed we'll have some findings about Mr. Hearn in uh, tomorrow's instalment of the poll, so keep your eyes... Healed, as they say, uh, for that. But returning to the general findings of the poll, we see Sinn Féin on 35%, that's no change. Fine Gael on 22%, that's no change. Greens on four, that's no change. And very little movement then between the, um, between the smaller parties. Labour's on four, that's up one independents and others all taken together on 18%. That's up two, and that's driven by an increase in support for independent candidates who are up four points. One other point to note about it, I think, you is that the number of undecided voters, and of course, all those figures that we just cited there, um, they're excluding the undecideds because... Obviously, you can't go into a polling station and vote undecided. But the undecideds, which are, you know, part of the calculations are then taken out and distributed amongst the the, the other parties. They're up by five points uh, in this poll to 28%. And they were up three in uh, last October's poll with the comparison from the previous July. So while we see this kind of relative stability at one level, it seems to me that there is still a large number of uh, voters whose votes are there to be won before the next election. And that's why I would anticipate a period of intense political competition in the run-up to that campaign. And and even by the time that that election campaign starts, which may be in, in, in two years' time, which is, you know, political terms a lifetime away, uh, but, you know, uh, I still think there will be lots of votes to be won over the course of, uh, of that campaign
1: which will make it, of course, for us very difficult to predict, but anyway. Indeed. What do you think, um, Harry, of this current moment of uh, relative serenity, which has been going on for a while, it seems to me. We had the the remarkable upsurge of Sinn Féin in the run-up to the last election, and then that momentum continued on, establishing them as quite clearly the largest party hovering somewhere from the low to mid-30s. They remain there. There's a little bit of bouncing up and down between between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. The other ones are trailing along behind. Is it because we're so far out from an election or is it just that we've reached a new normal, I suppose?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're looking at issues of complex uh, societal psychology there, Hugh. How do people feel you know, when an election is... That's why we came to you with the question. Absolutely, yeah. You need you needed some intellectual heft after the populist contribution from Pat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it is it is midterm. People aren't really focused into thinking in terms of elections. A lot of people aren't even thinking about politics. And sometimes when they're asked questions, you know, they, they give what they feel is an appropriate answer for this moment of time. It might not relate to the opinion uh, that they will hold two weeks uh, away from an election. And a very good example of that was the 2020 election, where if you had asked people in the middle of 2019 who they were going to vote for, very few would have said Sinn Féin. Uh, But the weather vane did a 180 degree turn between 2019 and early 2020. But if you look at the pattern of polls, the trend of polls, there's no doubt uh, that Sinn Féin are in, as Pat said, in a very strong position at the moment and perhaps they will lose some support between now and the next election. But there's no doubt about it that uh, the other two uh, medium to large size parties will find it very difficult to overtake Sinn Féin. And, and at this moment in time, I doubt that either of them uh, will be bigger than Sinn Féin after the next uh, election. What, what's interesting to me, and Pat referred to it there, is that you have three who are, who are out by themselves. You have a always have a kind of a distinct um, representation from those who are none of the above, the non-aligned, the independents. But the other parties seem to be you know, trailing along close to the bottom. Very few of them are breaking above uh, that 4%, uh, 5% figure, uh, whereas some indeed have gone uh, below uh, 3%. And you would expect them uh, to do a, a little bit better, given that they're in opposition. Uh, a lot of them get a lot of airtime. And you wonder why uh, uh, that hasn't translated into an increased level of support uh, from the population. And the other thing that Pat referred to that that I found was very interesting is a large number of people who are undecided. And I think that perhaps reflects the fact, you know, that we are in a stable stroke, uneventful stroke, boring time coming towards the middle of a government term. And people are not really engaging with politics uh, at the moment as they would closer to an election.
1: The smaller parties who Harry refers to their, Pat, the fact that they seem to be stuck at under 5%, um, is that in part because Sinn Féin sucks up all the oxygen on that side of the political spectrum? Because most of those parties identify as being of the left. Yeah, I think that's that's probably it. it. It's clearly hard to be a small party of uh, of opposition,
2: hard to be a small party in government, I suppose, for different reasons. You know, the Greens at the Greens at four percent. That's down from seven percent that they won in the last general election. And while you know what we haven't seen is the you know the sort of wipeout of the Greens in opinion poll terms. Anyway, that some of their supporters might have feared and and some of their opponents anticipated uh, at the time of the formation uh, of government you know it's 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 clearly difficult for them uh being in in government labor also on for their you know, tipping around between three and four. The Social Democrats down from three to two. Solidarity People for Profit down from two to one. A and two, who were at one percent in our last uh, poll, down to below one percent uh, in this poll. You know, it's 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 difficult for them to get political traction. And we should say, you know, that national opinion polls are not perhaps the best vehicle for you know, measuring the electoral prospects of small parties, because of course, what small parties want is and and what they will, you know, strive to do at the time of the next election is to have A relatively small number of high-profile candidates in a small number of constituencies that have a chance of getting a seat. Clearly, if the Labour Party or the Green Party got 4% in every constituency, they wouldn't win any seats. But that's not what is going to happen. They will win some seats with high-profile candidates performing strongly in some constituencies. But the polls do tell us something uh, as well, you know, and they do... I think, you know, tell us what you suggested as, as, at there, that it is very difficult to for opposition parties to compete with the behemoth
1: that is Sinn Féin in opposition. Speaking of the smaller parties, Harry, uh, listeners may be aware that we, we've been running an occasional series of uh, interviews with leaders of those parties. We've already had uh, the leaders of AIM2 and Labour in, and we were looking forward to welcoming and Shortall, the, uh, the co-leader of the Social Democrats, into the studio very soon, but that's not going to happen now because she stepped down as leader and there's a there's a, a contest of sorts already underway.
3: There is, and um, if the contest does take place, it will be the end of March before you can do your interview. Uh, but if there's only one declared candidate, we might be able to do that interview next week, Hugh. So let's keep our collective fingers crossed uh, for the good of the Irish Times political podcast.
1: Well, that that above all. But what do you make of, of this development at this time?
3: I was a little surprised. Um, there was no indication, to me at least, that that this was coming. I mean, questions about the leadership of the Social Democrats have been asked. I mean, they had a very uh, unusual form of leadership. You had co-leaders. You know, it's very unusual in the Irish context. The Green Party a long time ago had no leader and they realised that having no leader is a huge uh, detriment when it comes to contesting elections because people do identify with a personality, with a leader, you know, somebody who personifies the party and what the party uh, stands for. So they had a dual leadership and it has worked very well for them. I and mean, they're both co-founders of the party, uh, both politicians with serious pedigree, a lot of integrity. I think the difficulty was that both of them are former Labour Party or Democratic left and both um, would have had difficulty contemplating mergers with their former comrades uh, who are now their uh, competitors. And there was a, a sense that, that neither Roisin and Catherine were thrilled about the prospect of, number one, a possible merger or some kind of cooperation with the Labour Party. And there was also a question mark about if they would be willing to go into government. I mean, Roisin was a minister for a while and she resigned. Uh, Both have been essentially opposition politicians uh, for much of their careers. And it was felt that maybe it might be better if uh, somebody else was to take on the mantle and to grapple with those difficult um, issues. Certainly, whoever takes over from um, the two co-leaders will be probably more representative of the of the complexion of the party itself. It's a very young party. When you, whenever, when you go to party conferences, usually, you know, the people that are the same age as myself and even older than me, even older. a few of them are older than me, who comprise uh, the delegates. Uh, in contradistinction to that, when you go to a Social Democrats convention, you're struck by how Young, uh, it's it's support as supporters are when they were formed, they 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 captured a moment and they attracted a lot of people uh, with their message in terms of of their policies, their direction, uh, the kind of values that the party uh, espoused. And while both leaders did espouse those values, people said maybe Roshi was a little bit more conservative than Catherine in that regard. Uh, the younger uh, generation of TDs and councillors the party has had perhaps reflect more of the membership. And if Holly Kearns, who is a favourite, she is, she is elected, uh, she would almost be uh, the social democrat that comes out of central casting.
1: And we'll, we'll definitely dig into that over the weeks to come. And hopefully we will have that new leader, whoever they are, into the studio um, as soon as possible. We're going to take a quick break just to say, remember that if you aren't already, please do subscribe to irishtimes.com. Go to irishtimes.com slash subscribe where you can get all the results of our poll, which we discussed earlier, plus all the rest of our political coverage. We'll be back after this.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life.
1: Pat, uh, last week we were looking forward in as much as one ever can to some form of resolution of the Northern Ireland protocol issue and some big developments this week. That hasn't happened.
2: No, it was anticipated that a deal might be concluded and announced in the early days of this week. But that was, I think, effectively derailed by uh, a Conservative backbench rebellion or a threatened Conservative backbench rebellion. There was talk of... Uh, resignations from uh, Rishi Sunak's cabinet the name of um the the home secretary Suella Braverman was uh, was touted about now she apparently has as told uh, Mr Sunak according to reports in the british press that uh, she's not at present considering resignation but of course he hasn't announced his deal yet mood music in brussels is not suggesting that a deal is off um, nor is it, um, nor is it, nor is that the case in in Dublin, uh, but it is clear that if Mr Sunak is going to conclude a deal and push it through, then he will do so over the objections of at least some of his backbenchers, particularly amongst those uh, associated with the European
1: Research Group. But that was always going to be the case. It might have been, there might have been a question of the numbers might have played a very yeah. big part in that. But
2: Yeah, no, that, that that is true. My view for some time is that, you know, he's going to have, it, have to have a row with these people. He's better off doing it sooner or later. What will be crucial, I think, in the size of that rebellion and and likely the energy behind it, is the position that the DUP takes. And it's just not clear whether there will be enough in the the deal for the DUP or or not. I know that there was a view in the British government that you know they were unlikely to get the DUP on board that they would simply have to push ahead with it and the DUP would sooner or later come on board because they didn't have an alternative and they couldn't go before the electorate in Northern Ireland uh, in an in Assembly election, uh, pledging not to take their seats in the Assembly. I think there seems to have been some rethinking of that position and uh, I, I think perhaps Mr Sunak's office might have underestimated the extent of the rebellion that they will face if the DUP uh, doesn't come on board. So there is uh, reportedly quite a deal of arm-twisting and last-minute negotiating going on in the triangle between Belfast, London and Brussels. I would imagine that we will see uh, a resolution one way or the other Next week, in that I think things have been kind of suspended for the last day or two because of the anniversary of the Ukraine war. But I think next, uh, in the early part of next week, um, there will be a, a, a sort of a crapper, cut, get off the potty moment for everybody involved.
1: Moving from these great matters of state to uh, to a minor but quite amusing glitch in the order of business in 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 the doll this week, Harry. There was a moment which caused much hilarity. Um, maybe we should have a listen to it uh, here.
2: The motion is that the bill be now read a second time. Is that agreed? Agreed. Agreed that the bill be read a second time. All right. Thank you very much. The bill is read a second time. We move now to leaders' questions. Well, no, you didn't impose it. To... Well, no, you didn't. Opposing the bill. No, no, you can't. You can't come in afterwards. The order. We are, yeah, are question Sorry. Point of order. No, there is no point of order. No, we are opposing the bill. Point of order. No, oppose Sorry. sorry my, my apologies. We are opposing the bill. So I'd, the a, mand- I'd ask mand- the indulgence. Injun- mand- injun- mand- no, sorry. Please, this is semantics. We are opposing the bill. Please, Cahier, In called, the interest. I called. Was in, the bill? look. I didn't. My apologies. And. Uh, it's, it's called, uh, we'll say, a rookie or my apologies, no, no, I, I, I'd I, ask you to, to be to be some bit flexible, just on this occasion, please. Well, no, I, I
3: mean, there's well-established practice. You call my for apologies. A, a, a decision. The decision was made, and I'm not well, prepared to have it unmade. Harry, explain to me what happened there. Well, essentially, um, there's always a, a formula of words that must be followed when when passing legislation through the Doyle. So this uh, bill from people for profit had been introduced to the Doyle and the government were, were through the good offices of the Minister of State, Kieran uh, O'Donnell, who is a TD uh, for Limerick uh, City, uh, was meant to oppose uh, the bill going on to a uh, second stage, and you do that by use of a very simple formula of words, just a phrase essentially. But he was so wrapped up in conversation with one of his colleagues that he uh, he didn't um, he he didn't um, he he forgot to uh, he forgot the moment the moment had passed and before he realised that the concordia had moved on and actually uh, approved the bill to go forward uh, to the next stage, uh, which is committee hearing. Um, now it is going to wither on the vine when it goes to committee, but it was a, a moment of mucho embarrassment. Uh, for Kieran O'Donnell. Yeah.
1: Now, who who among us can say they have not had a similar experience? Roused from their slumber at some lengthy meeting <laughs> to be asked a question uh, to which they don't have an answer. Pat, uh, what would you say there, Hugh? Uh, no, sometimes, sometimes,
2: <laughs> hard as it may be to believe, Hugh, sometimes I tune out in the middle of your questions. But luckily, they they go on for such a lengthy period of time that there, there's plenty of time to gather my wits.
1: That is That's rich, an rich answer. coming from you, given the length of your answers But anyway,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have some sympathy uh, as uh, as someone who has uh, dozed off not alone in the middle of your questions, but also in many a maths class in my time. Um, I uh, I have some sympathy for uh, uh, for Kieran John, but it does, I suppose, show you the extent to, you know to which government has to be on top of parliamentary procedure. You know, I mean, we don't pay a great deal of attention to it, but. You know, parliamentary business is, you know, is a a very kind of structured metier. And, uh, you know, there's lots of um, rhetorical T's to be crossed and I's to be dotted. And there are consequences when you don't do that.
1: Um, It's time to pick our articles of the week from the Irish Times, which we do every week on this this Friday. Harry, what caught your attention?
3: Well, uh, today's coverage uh, to mark the anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine uh, just... Uh, wonderful piece from Daniel McLaughlin, uh, just extensive uh, coverage. And it just reminds, I mean, I'm not going, I'm going to do an advertisement for the Irish Times here, but we're one of the few Irish newspapers, we're the only Irish newspaper and media organisation uh, other than the uh, uh, national broadcaster that maintains bureaus and offices all over the world. And you can see the value of having those in the quality of coverage of the Irish Times on a daily basis, but especially today. I just thought reading through the paper this morning was just, you know, it was so revelatory. There was so much insight. And I thought that Daniel, who has been amazing for us uh, um, covering uh, the war in Ukraine, as has Lara Marlowe, indeed, and, and others, just just to read uh, his copy today and to read our coverage of Ukraine, Ukraine in its totality today. So that, that's my... My article or articles of the week.
1: No, I, I I agree with that. Lest anybody think we're being too self-congratulatory here, I'm going to strike a critical note about um, about our wonderful uh, Irishman's Diary columnist Frank McNally. Who, and anybody who knows Frank, um, will know that he's he's highly intelligent, very amusing, and very well read. Uh, the, the best sign of his intelligence, it's pretty is, critical, all right. Best sign of his intelligence <laughs> I've seen, which is the best sign of uh, of any anybody's intelligence. I think is he wipes the floor with people at a pub quiz. If you ever get a chance to be in a team with him, he's the man to have on your pub quiz team. However, having said that, he had a, a, a and as always entertaining Irishman's diary column this week in which he wrote about being in a taxi and not having the exact change and how the taxi man gave him back the change, so he actually made a made a, a profit to an extent on the on the transaction. The point, though, I'm going to make about the article, which was also made by a letter writer in in subsequent days, is that Frank miscalculated his benefit on this and thought that uh, the the five euro he got back on his uh, on his twenty five euro was uh, was twenty five percent, whereas in fact it was a twenty percent gain. And I was interested just to hear you say falling asleep in Matt's class, Pat, because this is I think we can all accept this is a particular problem that journalists have in general, do not let a journalist anywhere near a percentage. Um, they are almost always bound to get it wrong.
2: Yeah, this is why only the very creme de la creme of uh, the journalistic corps is allowed anywhere near opinion polls. <laughs> um, my uh, article of the week was in this morning's uh, the back page of this morning's business supplement, uh, where there is a new columns by new column by John Burns entitled "Any Other Business," in which. Um, Points out uh, various foibles and gossipy bits of uh, of business people and so forth. And uh, Mick McWallace makes an appearance in this morning's paper, and uh, this uh, uh, I like the look of this because uh, in a previous life I used to write a uh, column of uh, political snippets uh, called "Any Other Business" in uh, what was then the Sunday Business Post, and uh, it used to succeed uh, in many weeks in annoying lots of uh, politicians by pointing out their faults, and I'm sure John. John will have equal success as he turns his eagle eye to the world of business. So,
1: Yes, the best of luck to John on that. No better man to do that. I look forward to reading that in weeks to come. We will leave it there. Thanks very much indeed to Pat and to Harry. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon, and our engineer, JJ Vernon. We'll be back with you next week, but until then, thanks very much for listening.